it's uh, turning out to be a pretty dismal end of summer. Mm. Yeah. You know, the Labor Day weekend uh, is supposed to be the crap weekend uh, of the year, uh, where all the junk gets released and, and uh, nothing nothing any good makes the theaters and everybody goes and does barbecues or whatever else. And last year, switched that up a little bit because you had Crazy Rich Asians, which had that amazing run of number one at a number of weekends right at the end of the summer. We got nothing mm. like that this year. No, no, nothing uh, nothing remotely like that. All, mostly just sort of anticipating right now. Yeah. Uh, so last week on the show, I was on the show, and we did this sort of oh, like film ra- week, film week, week yeah. Uh, and uh, we did this sort of like wrap up thing, you know, uh, you know what 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 so far, what are you looking forward to, yeah. right? So my looking forward, uh, top of the list, Dolomite, yeah, uh, for a whole bunch of reasons, but you know Eddie yeah. Murphy, but a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, so number two on that list, uh, Joker, yeah. Uh, which is coming up in the middle of October or something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. Looks interesting. Not a big Todd Phillips fan, personally. I'm not either, but it, man, it got an eight-minute standing ovation in Venice, where, by the way, Mark Kaiser is covering for us. And uh, at some point, we're, uh, we're, we're, it may be appended to this show. It might be standalone, but Mark's gonna give, we're going to do a little uh, Skype session and get some reportage from our men in Venice. <laughs> Uh, on that, but he's yeah, seeing everything, man. He is. He is. He is, he is, he is uh, really hustling. Uh, the, but yeah, it's uh, eight minute standing ovation for Joker. Yeah, you know. So that's I don't know. I don't know what that means, but there either. it is. So looking forward to that. Uh, and what else uh, as the fall comes along? Here? Well, uh, the Irishman, yeah. which everyone has a lot of questions about. Three and a half hours long, allegedly, is the running time. Uh, longest film that Scorsese's ever made. So we'll see if we can handle the de-aging effects over three and a half hours. I that's that's the big question mark for me. Mm. Uh, three and a half hour Scorsese gangster epic. Uh, if it's something on the order of Goodfellas or meets Godfather, hell yeah, I'm there all day. Mm-hmm. I'll watch five hours of that. But if I'm going to be sitting there for 210 minutes staring at Al Pacino's face. Uh, from forty years ago, yeah, and thinking that's that's not, <laughs> not that's that's not what a young Al Pacino looks like. That's not that's not what Al Pacino ever. I, I've lived my whole life with Al Pacino. I, I've seen him age, and there was never an Al Pacino at any age that ever looked like that. Yeah. If that's gonna bug me the way that it did when I was in the in the opening sequence to Guardians of the Galaxy two, where I'm staring at Kurt Russell's face, yeah. and saying to myself. Kurt Russell has never looked like that ever. Yeah, that's yeah, or wrong. Even, or even the stuff in Aquaman, uh, yeah. uh, Nicole Kidman, and yeah, and, and, uh, and, and, yeah. Like, no, no, yeah. no. Yeah. Look, if I'm if I'm thinking about it, then it's, it's not, not working. working, and that's and that I don't I don't understand why people don't get that. Yeah, so uh, that, Judy, that, kind of thinking about Judy, Judy. Seeing, I'm seeing that this next week. Um, I'm uh, they're just starting to screen that. Yeah, Judy, I you know, mm, you know, we'll see. I, I look, I I. I love Renee Zellweger. She offered me her, offered me her bagel once. That was <laughs> sweet and adorable and cute. And I have uh, been a fan e- even before that and ever since. But uh, and and Judy Garland. I mean, I'm yeah. sorry. There are only three. You know, as far as female vocalists, there are only three for me. And it's Judy Garland and Barbara Streisand and Dinah Washington. Mm. And that's and that's sort of it for me. Those are the three that uh, that that you know light me up. So Judy. Is it's going to be tough for me watching somebody play her, and unless she can nail it, and she's doing all her own singing, Renee, uh, is she? Yeah, uh, uh, which is a you know, it's, you know, it's kind of a big deal. Now, it's a, I'm, it's, I, I imagine it's like that singing, but enhanced. Presumably, it is the it, it details the last year in the life of Judy Garland, which is uh, when she was doing the Judy Garland show on television. 
and uh, which Norman Jewison was producing, and she was heavily medicated through yeah. much of that. And there, there's a lot of sad stuff in this story. So we'll see how that goes. The but, thing yeah. about the thing about Judy is uh, that the even at the end. Yeah, the thing that she still had was that voice yeah. and that stage presence, I, rickety and, and, and wobbly in every other way in yeah. her life. But yeah. when but when the lights came on, right to the end, Judy could hit it. Yeah, uh, and uh, and that's the big that's the big difference. It didn't, you know, yeah. it, she wore herself down, but she didn't wear her talent down. True. Yeah. Well, anyway, and then the Malick film is is going to yeah. be coming out. That's uh, that I'm looking forward to. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of good stuff. It it looks like it should be a good fall season, but we've said that in the past. Yeah. Some duds, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got. I'm, I'm I'm interested to see how because you know Netflix has been having trouble because the, theaters don't want uh, yeah theaters don't take their movies for three yeah. weeks or two weeks or whatever that stupid yeah. thing is they want to yeah. do. They're like, no, you're not going to do that. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they're going to do about this season. You know, yeah. They are. They have ten films that they are releasing theatrically mm. for a month. And then they're putting them on a Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, if you're a theater, you have to weigh that calculation. You have to think: are are more people going to see it because uh, it's out earlier, or are fewer people going to see it because they figure they can wait? Mm-hmm. That's the question. Well, I think it, it hurt them a couple times this year. They had a lovely little movie called uh, I think it was called Always Be My Maybe. Yeah, uh, and you know, and it was uh, in, in, on Netflix when it was in theaters. Yeah, that hurt the box office of that little movie. Yes, it did. Uh, and uh, so you know, it, it, I, and, and that's tough. You know, now hey, it was on Netflix, and who knows how many people saw it there. Yeah. Uh, and if I understand the, the model for Netflix, they probably bought the movie out anyway. You know, yeah. The producers of the film out anyway. Yeah. So maybe the box office wasn't going to make any difference in, to- in to- But in terms of when we look at the box office of independent cinema, because we've been poking at that for a while now, right? Yeah. We did a couple of stories about how box office down uh the the famed Lindley's theaters here in Los Angeles uh whose founder was uh, well yeah. not not Carl but it Carl's was, brother it was Carl's brother yeah. Uh, yeah and Carl of course one of the founders of Universal Pictures yeah. uh and it's a family theater chain past and we know yeah. Greg Lindley and it might might be sold yeah i mean uh, this is devastating this it is. is devastating and uh and a lot of it has to do with Freaking Netflix! It does. I mean, I, 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 I was at the Landmark the other day, and and the Landmark chain, which is the other big art house chain, was uh, owned for many years by Mark Cuban, who bought it along with Magnolia and thought he was going to do a little uh, vertically integrated twofer, right? Yeah. And uh, didn't quite work out. So that has since recently changed hands to Cohen, which I think is doing a better job of handling Landmark than uh, than than Cuban did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Cohen, of course, you know, we're, we're biased here. We have done, <laughs> we've been on the Cohen payroll doing commentaries for, for Cohen films. Um, but uh, it's a well-run, it's a well-run operation. They do some great films. They release great things theatrically. And uh, I'm very, very hopeful for what Landmark and Cohen are going to do together. Yeah, so yeah. maybe there's hope. I hope so, man. All right. Well, I'm going to start off, uh, hit some kid vid here. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, the best 200 episodes ever. Look, my daughter, I have a six-year-old. She's now in first grade. Uh, first grade is a whole new adventure, I got to tell you. <laughs> it really is. It's, it's a whole new thing. No homework this year. Oh. New, new teacher who doesn't do homework. Oh, uh, I love her already. It's kind of, but there's, there's a lot of in-class work. Oh. So, and we review the in-class work end of the week now, so I feel very inquisitional. You know, it comes in. Now I've got to look at that and go, why didn't you answer this question? How could you get that wrong? How could you get that wrong? You know the answer to that. Are you kidding me? You didn't uh, fill that in. You know the answer to that. So I've got to be that person now. Oh my God. Uh, but anyway, the, the, my daughter's never seen SpongeBob SquarePants and probably never will. 
But uh, the, the, anyway, the best 200 episodes ever, I guess. I guess. I don't know. I can't really tell one from the other. Um, <laughs> you know, but this is what the the Nickelodeon people have have selected as the 200 best episodes. And they've included in a big old heavy box set uh, in two giant keep cases with a collectible poster. And uh, I mean, what can I tell you? I guess. I guess they're the 200 best. Um you know, I haven't. It ran for nine seasons, so there's a lot to choose from. And I suppose, you know, um, if you're a fan, maybe you'll be able to tell. But um, go Paramount, mm. uh, I think. <laughs> um, uh, still from Nickelodeon, Blaze and the Monster Machines, Ninja Blaze. So uh, when I was a kid, nobody knew what ninjas were. Yeah. I was the kid who watched... We have a channel here in Los Angeles. It's Channel 22. It's the international channel, KWHY. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's where you watch Korean soap operas and uh, Vietnamese talk shows. And it's 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 mostly Asian stuff, but it, it, not exclusively. There's a lot of kind of public television stuff on it. Anyway, when I was a kid, I watched Channel 22 a lot mm-hmm. because it was the only place that I could see, number one, anime. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, really cool 70s-era anime. And number two, um, Japanese samurai daytime soap opera, yeah, like Shiroto no Majinkai, yeah. which I watched a lot, and it had no subtitles, and I didn't care because all I knew was that badass dude with the sword is gonna be chopping somebody up in about ten seconds flat, <gasps> and yeah, it was shot on video and it looked crappy, but it was it was samurai, and I got to watch it every afternoon. So, uh, and I knew what ninjas were, and then nobody else knew what ninjas were, and here I always, I used, I used, you know, uh, tin cutters, and I was cutting my own shurikens <laughs> in the garage, and I was, like, throwing them in the wall and reaping hell for it. And finally, Shogun gets made yeah. as a miniseries, and now everybody knows what ninjas are. And today, ninjas are every damn place. There's American Ninja on the TV show. There are yeah. all those stupid movies from the 80s. There, yeah. there, there are, there's a Ninja Force uh, uh, you know everything now, uh, and uh, now we've even got Blaze and the Monster Machine says Ninja Blaze. That's how long I had to walk around that. Uh, so Ninja Cars, I guess. Okay, um, go for it. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me, but you know there it is. Uh, still from the Nickelodeon end of things, we have uh, more to more up to speed for the girls. Is Sunny Day and Shimmer and Shine the uh, Oh Shimmer and Shine? I love Shimmer and Shine. Yeah. They're little genies, uh, all done in the uh, in the Bubble Guppies style. Shimmer and Shine, Legend of the Dragon Treasure. Uh, it you know they're just really sweet little genie girls and they're adorable. And the dragons are kind of like My Little Pony dragons. There's nothing intimidating about them, and they're all cute and candy colored. And there are six episodes here. Uh, Zara Corns on Parade is adorable, and Nazbu's Family Reunion. It's just cute beyond all belief, and I totally endorse this because I have a daughter, and uh, little genies are cool. Uh, Sunny Day, I'm a little less into this. This is kind of more tweeny-oriented. Welcome to the pet parlor. Uh, Sunny and her friends are... A little bit too um, not Barbie. What's the other one? Not the not Barbie, but uh, Ooh. There's the, yeah. See, you don't have yeah, daughters. No, so you, yeah. There's the other uh, brats. Oh, brats. I yeah, yeah. It's very, Z. That's it. It's very bratsy. Uh, and you're just you know styling dog hair in this thing, and it's all very weird. Uh, pet parlor, parlor problems. Sunny and the groom and room in the royal wedding. Um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold off on reservation. You know, I'm, I'm, I have a few reservations about that one. Uh, stepping away from the Nickelodeon stuff, we go to the Jungle Bunch, which is cutish. Um, this is from Shout Factory uh, and uh, Shout Studios. Uh, it 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 it's it it borrows very very heavily from a lot of other stuff. Sing it reminded me a little bit of most things where uh, little Zootopias in here as well. Um, but uh, it it you know the it's kind of a fish out of water um, ugly duckling thing here about Morris who is a penguin and kind of a kung fu master or an aspiring kung fu master anyway. Uh, Look, it, you're you're into this for the voice characterizations and for some, you know, some fun animation. And there's an evil koala in here who's the villain. And it's, you know, it's a little bit tedious. But for young kids, I'm sure they got a kick out of it. Uh, from the DC end of things, Teen Titans Go, looking for a fight. More uh, Teen Titans stuff. Uh, I find it l- not quite, it's a little exaggerated, the animation. It's a little too cartoony for me. But, uh, you know, it has, a, it has a following, and there's some stuff in here. Aqualad and Beast Boy and Cyborg. It's, you know, it, it's, it's got its, uh, its attributes. The, uh, the one that I think is actually surprisingly good is from the Lego DC universe, Batman Family Matters. Now, I'm not really a fan of the Lego things, but... Um, at a certain point, if they don't overstay their welcome, I can I can deal with it. So, Batman Family Matters. It it it's not like the Lego Batman film. It doesn't really hang for for much too long. It's about eighty minutes long. That's as much of this as anybody really has any business of uh, doing. And um, you know, it's it's just kind of a standard Batman thing where the uh, the Bat family goes up against all of the Batman villains and and whatnot. It's fine. It it fulfills all, it scratches all the DC and all the Lego itches, and it does it very very quickly. And that's uh, it is what it is. Uh, and then real quickly on the concert end of things, want to make a mention of uh, Santana live at the US Festival. Uh, this is on Blu-ray, and uh, I I grew up with Carlos Santana. I am still a huge fan, and uh, his his kind of legendary uh, US Festival performance is uh, very very memorable. I remember when it happened. And uh, this is a beautiful Blu-ray. They've done a really good job of kind of restoring the archival footage in a way that it doesn't look like somebody just, you know, set the machine to run and, and off all of this old videotape goes on a Blu-ray with scars and all and looks all horrific. No, this actually looks really polished. They did a really nice job. And some great tracks here, everything from Black Magic Woman to uh, Saver to uh, Shango, uh, Incident at Neshbur. Uh, it's, it's good. It's good. It's uh, you have to kind of be a Carlos Santana fan, but you know he's just one of those guitarists that, from an era of great guitarists, and he mm-hmm. stands apart. Mm-hmm. I like him. That's good the man. man. That's the man. Yep. Uh, shall I, shall I do, do a few uh, new movies? New movies. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was, it's funny. I ended up talking about this movie, uh, Booksmart, uh, again on on Film Week that just went yep. by. This was a perfectly lovely little movie about these two young women about to graduate yep. from high school. Absolutely brilliant, uh, academic achievers, and they were looking back over their you know high school careers and realized they didn't have any fun, didn't do any of the sort of ordinary cutting up, cutting loose little stuff. So they tried to jam it all into one night. Very ordinary story, but it was a slick, smart little movie directed by Olivia Wilde, the actress yeah. Olivia Wilde. Yeah. Uh, who, by the way, look her up. She's, direct, she's directed a whole bunch of really, really good music videos. Yeah. Chili, Red Hot uh, Chili Peppers thing, yep. uh, you know, uh, just neat stuff. And, and it's just well done, certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, but it just did not get the traction that it ought to have gotten. 
and did not make the money at the bottom. Now, I'm sure it'll do fine when it's streaming, but, but folks out there, I'm telling you, you better, you better start going seeing these movies. You better start going to see these movies in theaters, or they're going to go away. Yeah. Uh, little movies like this that, that just should have done better. Anyway, per, uh, enjoyed this greatly. Uh, this is the Blu-ray. All kinds of neat special features uh, on it. Uh, so, you know, check that out. Commentary by uh, director Olivia Wilde. Now, on the other hand, MIB International. First of all, did we really need another Men in Black movie? Uh, no. No. What was up with that? I didn't, in, 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 at all. First of all, I don't even think that either Hemsworth or Tessa Thompson, who played the Men in Black in this, yeah. they were probably children. Yes. When that first Men in Black here's, movie came out of and probably couldn't even got in to see it. Now, here's the thing. you can. You, there are a couple of different ways to read the failure of this film. Uh, they went out and they cast two actors mm-hmm. specifically because they were bringing Marvel cred with them. This is Thor and Valkyrie. Yep. Okay? Both of them figure quite prominently and well, not just in the last Thor film, but in Avengers Endgame, Mm -hmm. the biggest film in the history of humankind. Certainly the biggest film in the last 20 years on all metrics. Mm -hmm. So they're thinking they're going to bring audience with them. Now, they didn't. So there are two ways to read that, either or. One is movie stars are dead, and nobody cares what big movie you were in last week. Uh, just because you're in a new movie this week doesn't mean I'm going to go see it. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Or number two, um, well, three things. Or Men in Black just doesn't have cachet anymore mm-hmm. with, with anybody. You could see Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones in, yeah. in another one, and it could be the best written thing in the world. Nobody would go because they've been there, done that. Yeah. Or three, this film just stank on all con- every conceivable <laughs> level. <laughs> So it's some combination of those three things, yeah. and I'm, t- I'm inclined to think it's all three. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of all three, that's yeah. for sure, because word of mouth was not that great. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is full of all kinds of special features, so you'll just, just dig in. If, you're, if you must yeah. be a Men in Black completist, uh, you'll, you'll get everything you wanted to know about it here. I don't think you'll be getting any more of them, though. No. Um, Ma, this film with Octavia Spencer, directed by Tate Taylor, yeah. which I saw and rather enjoyed personally, again, didn't perform up to uh, what was expected for this sort of, you know, horror adventure. I liked it for this reason: um, the way they lay this little movie out. We meet Ma, this older woman who gets involved with these uh, teenagers, buys them some booze, and then mm. you know tells them, "Hey, I got a place where you can hang out. Come over to my house, hang out in the basement." Mm. And she sort of draws them into this whole thing. The whole time we're watching this, we're seeing these flashbacks to Ma when Ma was a mm-hmm. teenager. Yep. Uh, and, and, and we see what happens to her in juxtaposition to most of these young people's parents, yep. really. And uh, there comes a moment when, when, when you know, Ma just goes batshit uh, and starts doing all kinds of wacky stuff. Now, when you watch what happened to Ma when she was a teenager, you kind of feel like, you know what? You guys kind of had that coming. <laughs> you kind of had that coming. Yep. And, you know, so a little interesting empathy there. So I don't know. Um, but uh, overall, it was just a pretty good movie, not a fantastic movie. Bonus features include an alternate ending, uh, which is very interesting if you know how it ended before. Some deleted scenes and, yeah, stuff like that. Not bad. Mm-hmm. This Tolkien uh, uh, biopic. Yeah. Man, I got to tell you, it just did not work for me. Uh, I... It's only about a particular period in his life. Yeah, uh, who's a young man? Young man at school. Yeah, you know, the, the the group of uh, yeah, 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 classmates that he ran around with. Yeah, and then a little bit of that of what happened to him in the First World War. Yeah, didn't work for me. I I I am so forgiving of this movie because I I do I I like Nicholas Holt as an actor. Yeah. I I think the the biogra- biographical sketches of of uh, of Tolkien's life are interesting, but it is. 
and it, and his family was not happy with the film either. Yeah, I think uh, there there was there was a little bit of backlash there. Understandable. There there usually isn't a lot of fondness for for biopics if from, from the families, but for some reason it just it feels kind of stillborn. Yeah, it feels like they didn't like they just wanted to play it so safe, and uh, it's almost as though it's almost as though they felt like the most interesting thing about uh, J.R. Tolkien or Tolkien. Is, is the fact that he wasn't always that guy, mm. right? Like, hey, let's just make it'll tell the story will tell itself if we just let you know. Like, hey, he was once young. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> <laughs> well, he had well, he had friends in school. He, he didn't always have a beard. He wasn't always old. He uh, had friends once. Uh, he, you know, like yeah, look, he was a young guy once, and and it'll it'll write itself. We don't need to. Worry. And 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 no, it still has to be interesting, and um, and and I think they missed the boat. It's too bad. Oh well. Anyway, some special features include an audio commentary from the director Doma Karukoski, I believe is the way you say his name. Some deleted scenes and whatnot. The Secret Life of Pets too. Uh, oddly, this movie did pretty well. This did pretty, but it got on my nerves so bad. I, I didn't see this one, and I saw the first one with my daughter, and she hated it. Yeah, it, it, this, these these movies always uh, just bugged me. Uh, but you know how I feel about anthropomorphization. Anthony, yeah. <laughs> That's not, I have an issue with that. That's no good. Anyway, all kinds of special features on this, uh, including two other little mini movies in the yeah. whole universe of the. Secret Life of Pets. Yeah. The Sun is also a star. This was a lovely little movie. And they didn't send this to us on Blu-ray, which I'm I'm a little miffed about, but I'm I'm inquiring. What's that uh, all about? I don't know. I, I think because it didn't do ridiculous business, they're under the impression that it's a streaming thing and that they don't really care about the Blu-ray market, which, you know, I think is a there's a there's a calculation that's going on in a lot of the studios now about the future of Blu-ray mm-hmm. and and 4K in particular. And they're beginning to get a little gun shy and niche back on it, and uh, don't it, really. Is the calculation about physical objects? Or yeah, not, not the I, think, con- I think the calculation is that increasingly people don't want to buy discs, uh, which which isn't good for this podcast. But but that the, they they figure that it's becoming increasingly a collectible thing, so mm. they're focusing on things that are uh, classics, truly collectible. If it's just a new movie. And it didn't really do great, or it did okay. They figure we're going to put the money into streaming, and uh, you know who cares about the Blu-ray? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I was so, wondering if that. Uh, was but that is a really good film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Yara Shahidi, Charles Melton. This perfectly lovely film. A little love story. It's a love story, but it's a love story. I mean, it's worth pointing out that this this takes place in contemporary New York. Mm-hmm. It's a love story uh, between a guy who is uh, the son of Asian immigrants. And uh, a, a girl who is herself a Jamaican immigrant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, it, it takes place over about 24 hours. And it takes place in modern-day New York, in the middle of New York, dealing with these two people and their, their fated kind of... It's a little bit like the Beyond films, right? Oh, the, yeah. Beyond Sunrise. And uh, it has that feel to it. And yet, there is not a single Caucasian-speaking part in this movie. And, 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 not and, one. Without reference, not, not one, one, but not one. And yeah. you would not know that yeah. unless I told unless you that. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's 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 about it's about how this young woman, uh, who's trying to avoid love, yeah. proclaims not to believe in love, and he is a deeply romantic lover. That's it. And he, and in that twenty four hours, he's gonna he's gonna, gonna win her, her heart. That love is a thing that can happen. That's what it's about, and it's, and it's lovely. And it's lovely, and it's it, it is a perfect portrait of 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 a modern American urban 
scenario, the modern urban world. And that's why the, the, the ethnic mixture of it and a lot of those dynamics are so interesting. I think it's a wonderful metaphor and an allegory. And again, I think it's amazing that you get to the end of this movie and if you think for a minute, you go, it's funny, I didn't see a single white person <laughs> no, in the whole no movie. No white people talking about the movie. Uh, but yeah. it didn't bother me. It, 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 it didn't really distract. It, just, it was just part of the world. Of and the again, movie. this is the kind of movie. you got to go see these movies, folks. you got to go it. see them in the, in, in, in the little art house Please theaters. Do. you got to go. Please do. Please do. Uh, you gonna move on some before? Yeah, I, before let's I do, do, do the uh, do the LGBT stuff, and then I'll I'll hit the 4K. Okay, dokie. Um, everything uh, is free. Uh, it's the name of this little film, lovely film. Uh, it's about this little American uh, painter who's living down in Colombia. Uh, his friend comes to visit him uh, along with his brother. They go on some adventures. It's this perfectly lovely, sweet, and kind of sexy little movie. Uh, full of all kinds of boys and girls getting naked and, and running around <laughs> Columbia, which is really just about all that the, the, the goes on in this film. But it is lovely and, and very ni nice. Uh, features uh, the director's personal introduction to the film as well as an um, uh, a, uh, audio commentary. Uh, let's see. Uh, he Always Says Yes, another lovely little movie set in Mexico. Uh, this guy goes down to, to Mexico City. Uh, he wants to. He's gonna. He's hoping to, to be chosen to pose for this uh, photographic co uh, collective of all these nude sort of photos. He he meets this guy. Uh, in, inhibitions sort of slip away, and they you know end up on again some fairly nice uh, adventures. It's just a lovely little film, but in, it contains. Uh, a lot of real sex, <laughs> and that's well. just and that's just all the hell there is to it. <laughs> there is now why this is not porn. I'm not really sure, <laughs> uh, but you know, technically speaking, it's not. Uh, but it seemed kind of porny to me. Um, uh, and <laughs> this is a uh, uh, the, the this is actually a, a series called Woke from Deku, uh, lovely uh, uh, little series, season two. Uh, kind of pick up picking up where it left off before. Um, and again, uh, th this is just a nice little dramatic thriller. It's like a romance, like a daytime soap opera. Not particularly, uh, you know, aggressive or anything like that. It's just a lovely little series. It's called Woke. Uh, if you're into it, uh, you'll love it. It's in French with English subtitles. All right, uh, 4K. We got uh, four very interesting 4K releases this week. Uh, too old, too new. I'll hit the new ones first. Uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Does it look great on 4K? It looks amazing on 4K. The, the, the CG work here is phenomenal. It splits the difference perfectly between the, uh, the, the CG Godzilla that has now had two different approaches to it and uh, the original Godzilla, which was a guy in a big latex suit. This is kind of the perfect Godzilla, i got to be honest. It sort of nails it, and uh, the movie just is whatever. And that's unfortunate. There are a lot of really talented people in this movie that I'm enormously happy to see in a big movie. Uh, you know, Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. and I mean, It's just, you know, Bradley Whitford is in this. Zhang Ziyi is in this. Vera Farmiga is here. I mean, it's, 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 you're, you're like, wow, this is amazing. These, they got some of my favorite people. And, and uh, Sally Hawkins shows up. Charles yeah. Dance. It's amazing. Like, I'm watching, you, like, wow, you nailed it, and I don't care. Why don't I care? Tim, why don't I care? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't, what, what, what is, yeah. is it just too much? Is it that we're over Godzilla? Is it, what is it? Well, I know I'm over Godzilla. That's what did I think <laughs> I've been is. over Godzilla since 1998. I mean, the thing, the, I guess, it, because I would be the first person to love something like this, because they, they bring back all the Godzilla monsters yeah. that I grew up the on, whole, yeah, Mothra, Mothra and Ghidorah. 
and and Rodan, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be my dream come true. Here we are, we're doing it. And for some reason, I kind of feel like, yeah, I'd rather go watch one of the cheesy old Japanese movies. Yeah, every time, every time, yeah. every time. Even even when they were really cheesy. I just, I yeah, it it just anyway. The 4K is fantastic. I mean, the audio especially. This thing just rips it up in terms of the audio. Uh, if, especially if you've got the the full 9.2 surround system, it'll it'll just fill your your house with screaming monsters on a level that you can't even comprehend. <laughs> just the, you'll, the neighbors will call the police. It'll be unbelievable. But um, you know, I it's it it just leave, left me kind of cold. On the other hand, uh, Keanu Reeves in John Wick Chapter Three Parabellum. Yeah. Yep. Now here's the thing. If you haven't seen any of the John Wick movies, go and see one and two first. You do have to catch up because they aren't – it's not like they are sequels. When they say chapter three, yeah. this is – John Wick 1 takes place over a very compressed period of time. It's like a 24-hour period, mm-hmm. maybe 48 hours. I can't remember. Uh, and the second that John Wick 1 ends, that's where John Wick 2 picks up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, like, it's like it's like Halloween and Halloween too. It, it is literally that exact moment, and you're still hitting the ground running. You're, you're you're still moving, and the second that John Wick two ends, that is where John Wick three picks up. Mm-hmm. So these three movies are you you kind of need to watch them back to back to back because it is a continuous chase. Yeah, all three films. It it just doesn't end. Yeah, and the whole deal with the John Wick films is. They take place in a world where, and it gets more and more ridiculous with each successive film because they figure we have to keep making the mythology deeper and richer, is that there is a basically worldwide brotherhood of assassins, mm-hmm. of paid assassins. Uh, of And John Wick is a guy who used to be one, and then, you know, in John Wick 1, because of a whole situation with a car and a dog, yeah. and some guys who overstepped what they, sh- what they should have known to do, he winds up going all rogue and kind of, you know, loose cannon on him. He's he's Batman who hasn't shaved in a while mm-hmm. and doesn't put on a suit. So uh, and and he he goes completely medieval on all the anyone who's ever wronged him. And there's a hotel where all these it's like it's this is your your um uh, your your neutral territory where all and and everybody understands that this hotel, which is uh, run and operated by uh, what's his name? Oh, uh, old, old the, the, the guy, the old uh, guy from. Uh, Ian McShane. Yeah. So Ian McShane runs and operates this hotel, which is uh, completely neutral ground. All of the all the assassins understand you're not supposed to kill each other here, even though in every single one of these movies somebody does. And uh, that's supposed to be neutral territory. Okay. And there are all of these weird rules. So long story short, John Wick 3 uh, picks up. He's He just, every time he kills somebody in revenge, he wrongs somebody else, and somebody else is out and after him, and he's broken a rule. And now, literally, like, the entire world is after John Wick. Um, there's all kinds of stuff in John Wick 3 that makes absolutely no sense why he winds up in the meeting up with Halle Berry in, in Morocco and running into the desert and meeting a Bedouin who apparently is the all-time godfather of the whole International Society of Assassins, why he would live in a tent in the desert. None of that makes any sense. Halle Berry being in here doesn't make any sense. Um, and then it comes back, and it turns out that, like, I, I don't know that anybody in New York is not an assassin in these movies because <laughs> when, whenever there's like a little a little thing and everybody answers their phones, you're like, everyone on the street is an assassin. The whole city is. Does anybody actually have a regular job? It's, it's crazy. And they they break the rules. I guess it's the rules. You're not supposed to do anything in that yeah, hotel, as yeah. you said. You know, and then they yeah. start breaking the rules. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, ah. You know. So, but, uh, but I love that series. But here's the thing. 
it's still a lot of fun oh, because yeah. it is relentless action. He is just shooting people indiscriminately, left and right, nonstop, all the time. Uh, and and they have a there's a knife scene in this thing, which is hysterical. I mean, it is he's in a knife shop. You know, these guys are chasing him down. And uh, they, it, it, it's nuts. They, they're just throwing knives at each other left and right. And there's a lot of CG in it, but you don't notice it. It's just an awful lot of fun. The, the guys who founded that series, the original director, they, the stunt guys. Chad Stahelski, uh, the, the, the director. That's what they were, right? Yeah. They're stunt yeah. guys. So he's, that's what he, they did. That's it. He's the, he, the original director, Chad Stahelski. He's a, he's a stunt guy. And uh, the thing that I most enjoy about this is the fact that the, uh, the guy who plays the uh, – the, um, a concierge at the hotel who's always been just I will take care of your your, your dogs sir. yes oh sir, the brother yes, with the yeah, yeah the bald yeah, head the, yeah. yeah he he uh, he he he's always just this really cool calm guy who's sort of you know at the net he gets to pick up guns here ah. he goes nuts <laughs> and I like it to give him a chance to finally uh. shoot some people uh other 4k and that's and that look does it look great yes it looks amazing in 4k the color is fantastic uh, HDR just really intense. Now we get a couple of other things on 4K. Stallone and Rambo, the fight continues. This is the Rambo movie that everybody thinks, what's that? Is that? No. There's a new Rambo movie coming out soon, which yeah. is apparently more First Blood than, than any of them have been since First Blood. Uh, Stallone is still at it. It's the only other character he's got. Mm-hmm. Cobra never took off, so you know, he's doing Rocky now over in the, in the Creed films. Mm-hmm. So um, now we're, we're going back to Rambo. And we're going to wrap that up a little bit. And uh, the uh, you know this is the fourth Rambo movie, and everybody kind of forgets that there was one. This is from two thousand eight. Stallone directed it, co-wrote it, and uh, you know in the first First Blood, he's he's just a messed up vet. In in First Blood two, Rambo, he's like you know he's he's in he's he's going back to Vietnam, and he's you know he's he's turned into a crazy action hero, and it makes no sense. In the third one, he's in Afghanistan. Yeah, that was in, just flat out bananas. That's b- ridiculous. In this one, uh, he's in uh, he's in Burma, and he's uh, helping out Christian missionaries, and it's fine. Um, it's a it's a little bit more uh, more of an honest film on some levels than I think the the previous two were. Um, you know, he did Rambo. He did the second and the third films in the same around the same time. He was doing Rocky three and four, and everything mm. everything was extreme back then. So I mean. It's uh, it's a little bit treading water, but it, it why is it on 4K? I don't know. Have those films I, always uh, ma- maintain a sort of contemporary to uh, to uh, their their period? Yeah. So yeah, know, every, everything. So which means this new Rambo uh, that's coming up, yeah. should be this guy forty, yeah. about forty years after. Yeah, that's where that's where we're yeah. gonna go. That's, that's where it is. He's like he's that. he's old. He's on a farm. He wants to be left alone, and they just come right back at him. Mm. That's yeah. what it is. So last 4K is the one we want to spend a moment on. Uh, it is Apocalypse Now. Yeah. And as you probably know, uh, uh, it's the 40th anniversary edition on Ultra HD 4K Blu-ray from Lionsgate. Um, and the this includes the Apocalypse Now final cut, which uh, Francis Coppola recently did to kind of mediate between his original release cut, which is nearly two and a half hours long, and the uh, Apocalypse Now Redux, which is three hours and 15 minutes long. Mm-hmm. This is 15 minutes shorter. So it's about a half hour, a little over a half hour longer than the original cut, 15 minutes shorter than Redux. And it's like a more polished Redux, basically. Uh, Redux was flabby and ill-conceived. 
and had music problems, and it has that whole horrible interlude with the French colonials that makes no sense that was rightfully cut out of the original film. And it, that's back in here. I don't know why. I don't know why Coppola can't leave this film alone. Mm. Uh, I, I, it's fine that there are two additional cuts on here. However, really, the original is all you need. Yeah. And Hearts of Darkness, the really, really terrific documentary. documentary yeah, the that's Conrad, the yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's the great the, the 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 great one. Uh, it's a gr- it's a wonderful look. And the thing is, Hearts of Darkness as a documentary teach tells you everything about I guess why he can't leave it alone. Because uh, this movie just got inside his psyche in a really, really devastating way. In terms of the 4K, there is there is a digital code on here that gets you either iTunes or Vudu. Uh, both of them give you 4K streaming access. The 4K on the discs is uh, is superb, absolutely superb. You see the film grain the way that it was originally shot. Uh, Storaro's photography has never been better served. It is really, really pristine. The audio, which has always really been great, the Walter Murch. Uh, sound design is just n- kills it with lossless uh, uh, HD. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, the 4K stream on Vudu, mm. very impressive, really very impressive. One of the better 4K streams I've seen. So uh, I would say you know you don't really need the other two cuts. You just need Hearts of Darkness and the original. But it's all here. It's comprehensive. And if you have anything else, go ahead, double dip, get rid of those other ones. This is all you need. 4K Apocalypse Now. Mm. Go get it. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Uh, TV? A little little bit of TV, yeah. Uh, Season four of this really wonderful French series, uh, ten episodes on three discs of The Bureau. Uh, Wicked, wicked French spy series uh, that involves uh, the the French spy service. By the way, the French have a spy service. (laughs) 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 If you you didn't know that. Uh, Because I hadn't thought about it. The the DGSE is what their spy spy service is called. It also involves uh, the CIA and the Russian spy service. You have this guy, he's on the run, uh, Matthew Almarik, who I love. Uh, uh, takes over the French uh, spy service, and, uh, and 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 he's looking for this guy. This guy is uh, trying is in Russia. He's trying to do a deal with the Russians coming there. It's it's very Jean uh, uh, Jean Le Carre. Yeah, yeah, very Le Carre, and it just looks gorgeous. And and it sort of roams around. It it, it doesn't do what a lot of the um, like the Israeli shows do. You know, all, the whole Palestinian yeah. conflict. It's all very real world, and these things. Are, this doesn't do that so much. It goes a little bit sideways and has a little bit more fun. Uh, with all the technology, and it's, it doesn't always maintain itself right in the real world, 100% whole and complete. Uh, let's see, anything on here? Oh, uh, op- optional subtitles in French and English and all that kind of stuff, but no other special features per se on that. Pole Dark, the complete collection. Well, this has just been around forever, uh, th- this series, and I've always loved it. It's beautiful, it's romantic. Um, uh, it's, just a, it's just a lovely, lovely series adaptation. Uh, from the book series, uh, set during the Revolutionary War, uh, it's it's just a little bit of history and a whole lot of drama, and it's absolutely gorgeous. This is the complete the complete collection, uh, with all kinds of bonus uh, materials, including uh, a historical sort of background that sets up uh, the context in which all of these people in this time exist. It's just really great stuff, uh, and uh, there are people who are completest about this, and definitely want to check that out. Uh, let's see. The 16th season of NCIS, uh, Naval Criminal Investigation Service, the original in Oh, the original? Yeah. 
Uh, 16 I've seasons. I've lost track. There, 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 yeah, 16 man. seasons that played? 16 seasons. Uh, really? This, this thing, man, this fantastic. Wow. Been, uh, yeah, yeah that, that blows my mind, really. This is the one with Mark Harmon, by the way, folks. That's the one That's the one that yeah. this is. Anyway, this is full of all kinds of special features. Um, I didn't watch all 16 seasons of this, I'll be honest. I was an early adopter, and then I bumped around to some of the other CISs. They're all sort of of a, of, of a sort of show. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, this is good stuff if, you, if, if you're into this kind of thing. I think our buddy Sherman was in a couple episodes of this, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Or, maybe, or maybe he was in the um, the, the, the other one. Uh, El- we'll, uh, we'll ask him. Yeah, we'll have to. That's right. We've got to talk to him. Because <laughs> we are going to talk to him. Yep. Uh, Bull, uh, Michael Weatherly's series, uh, season three. You look, when this, se- when this kicked off, if you had told, told me this would even go three seasons, you know, I lost my shirt. You know, yeah. I'm sorry. I just did. I never got into it. But apparently, it's that CBSy kind of. Yeah, I know. It, they, know. It's it's stuff that people do when they're they're doing other things. They just turn CBS on and, and, and let then it roll. Get some of the special features. Uh, yeah, a few interesting things there. Let's see. We have got the Mayans. MC. Oh, spinoff of the, uh, 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 the Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. Um, uh, which is you know c- kind of a cool series. This is the uh, complete first season. You know, um, you know, watch two or three of these. Got to love Edward James Olmos because he's Edward James Olmos. You know? <laughs> uh, and he's in the show doing that thing that he does. Uh, it, it's it's a good series. It's interesting. I'm not I'm not terribly into whole, into biker culture and all yeah. this. That's not my thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you know, look, they're all criminals. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. just you know that's it's, no, they're no good guys in these series. No. Same thing with Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. There's nobody to root for. All of you people are terrible. <laughs> it's the same thing with uh, Ozark. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you're kind of rooting for them to get out of their predicament, but you don't like them. Yeah. You don't want them to, ha- you don't want to hang out with them. Because you, you, know, you people actually did all this crap, yeah. and, and you kind of got this coming. Uh, I loved Heart to Heart. I did, too. Uh, Heart to Heart, Movies are Murder Collection, eight made-for-TV movies yeah. from the Heart to Heart series. Yeah. Heart to Heart uh, started in 1979. Yeah. Uh, uh, when it first, Stephanie Powers and uh, uh, Robert, what's his name? Wagner. Uh, Wagner. Uh, Stephanie Powers and Robert Ragnar, Lionel Stander, who, yeah. who, who, by the way, was uh, fingered by the House Un-American Activities Committee. Was he really? Yeah, I don't he think was, I knew that. He was blacklisted for. He was one of those guys. Yeah, and this was his. This was his big comeback. But yeah, but oh, doing, that's doing, doing the fifth, he had been working for years. But you know, he was a little bit. Of, he was kind of commie, a little bit. Wow. Of commie, you know, but not much. Uh, but yeah, I got fingered by them. Anyway, these would be the TV movies that were spun out from the series. Uh, eight made for television movies. They were all fantastic and a lot of fun. Stephanie Powers had a crush on her like you would not believe uh, for years and years and years and probably still do. She's still with us, Stephanie. I know Robert is. Is Stephanie still with us? Do you remember? Yes, she is. And in fact, she is uh, She is in a relatively new movie. Really? Coming out shortly, Yes. So, we'll, which we'll talk more about as we get closer to the uh, to the movie itself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This this little this little 2011 series, Pan Am, with Christina Ricci about the what we called at the time stewardesses. Yeah. Uh, uh, on Pan, first of all, I remember. Pan, I'm old enough to remember Pan Am Airlines. Yeah, I'm too. You know, and, and to have flown it. Yeah. Uh, there are plenty of people who don't even remember that this ever existed, and it was quite a thing. The thing. Let me tell you something about Pan Am, because uh, Pan Am, of course, is in two thousand one, right? That's mm-hmm. the, it's the it's the shuttle that uh, he's taking to the uh, uh, space station. Space station, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's also a Pan Am flight in Hook, Steven Spielberg's Hook. That's the that's what what Robin Williams and his family are flying oh, on right yeah. at the beginning of the film. Yeah. And I remember very very well the press screening of Hook at the Avco in Westwood. 
And I remember sitting there, seven, probably around 7.45 in the <laughs> evening, watching Hook with this audience, and up comes that stock shot of a Pan Am plane, just lasts for about four seconds, and gets the most outrageous laughter from the audience. <laughs> Because the, that morning, Pan Am went under. That was the morning that Pan Am went under? That was the morning that Pan Am went under. Wow. Yep. 2001. It was... No, uh, what year was it? it? Was, uh, 90, 90, was, 95, was, right? Something like that. 95, 96, yeah, yeah. Somewhere in there. Whatever yeah. Hook was, yeah. Anyway, this was just a really neat little series. I wish it would have hung around. Margot Robbie, you know, making one of her first appearances on American television in this series. Um, and it was kind of like... 91. Ni really? Yeah, oh, 91 man, was Hook. Man. I know. Jeez, Willikers. Yeah. Um, um, uh, oh, well. Anyway, uh, in, this, was, this was meant to be sort of like a madman uh, only in, in, on airplanes in the air. But it didn't, didn't quite take off. But it was a really good series, I think. Uh, the complete fifth season... Of the Flash, uh, Barry Allen and his daughter uh, on the cover of this. I mm. I love this season. I I did too. I did too. Look, not the best season for villains. No, but uh, the family stuff was. But fantastic. the family stuff is great, and ultimately, really, I'm glad they they turned the corner because they've been kind of you know they went through a number of seasons where we got to get an e more more and more evil speedster every single you know year. And then, okay, now we've run out of evil speedsters. Now we're going to go with uh, the, 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 brainy the brain guy. guy the brain yeah. guy. Yeah, who could jump bodies. Thinker, yeah. the thinker, yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah, who, you know, it's like, oh, you can't outsmart him because he just he, uh, mm. keeps getting smarter and smarter. So that was, and that was a pretty good season. That mm. was a, a, kind of a twicky, tricky, twisty plot thing. And then they figured, you know what, let's just kind of, uh, we're going to, obviously, there has to be a threat, but let's focus a little bit on Barry and Iris. Yeah, yeah. And then let's yeah. just go go deeper on that. And I'm glad they do because that's, that's what keeps it, makes the show work for me. Yeah. And, they, and, the, and the speech that they bring in is Nora, their yeah. daughter. And, yeah. And, and, and she, that's just a wonderful actress. It, it's a wonderful, wonderful little bit. And yeah. a fantastic storyline yeah. there. Uh, anyway, uh, this features all of the crossover episodes. There are three crossover episodes here with Supergirl and uh, the one with the arrow. Arrow. Yeah. And, and Arrow and yeah. and uh, the uh, uh, the yeah, other one, Legends the, of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, uh, uh, all of which are not nearly as good as Flash. Nevertheless, uh, <laughs> the, the except for Supergirl, fifth season. Yeah, uh, and then uh, our homie Sherman Augustus, yay, uh, in his series Into the Badlands, the complete third season. Uh, in which he is featured quite a lot. This is uh, look into the Badlands was, was a really it, so far as kung fu martial arts are yeah. concerned. This was the best show. By for far. that, by for by better, far. better, better than the better than uh, 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 um, Iron Fist. Oh, Iron Fist is terrible. Uh, Iron Fist is a terrible show. But here, but here's the thing, you know, and, and we're gonna we're gonna be interviewing Sherman and uh, talking to him about this. Uh, the the and we'll let him kind of go elaborate on it. But when you watch all the other shows on television that have tried to incorporate some kind of classical Hong Kong style martial arts into the show, they all do it wrong, and that includes stuff like Martial Law, which was one of the first. Which was produced by Stanley Tong, which starred Sammo Hung, mm -hmm. and Sammo and Stanley did all the choreography in it. But and the fighting is good, but it's not shot well because they didn't have the budget or the schedule yeah. to do it. You have it's to, like a late nineties uh, ABC television. Yeah, series, right? yeah. There, there's a, there's a way of approaching it in terms of not just the choreography, but the production of it, the way that you have to shoot it, the way you have to schedule it, the time you have to give it. Uh, that isn't done right. You can tell that if you've seen uh, Wu Assassins mm -hmm. on Netflix, which has some pretty decent action in it. Well, yeah, but Louis Tan in that, who was also in this series. Yeah, yeah, but it's not shot well. No, it's not. You know, everything about the production value of that show goes into the CG, 
it doesn't go into the actual staging of the fighting. They're yeah. not, you know, you know. And the thing about Badlands is they said we're going to approach this the same way that we would if we had a feature budget. Mm-hmm. We're going to give it the time. We're going to give it the attention. We're going to hire the talent. We're really going to. And and the result is you watch it and you just think this is amazing. This is wonderful. And it just it, it transports you in a in a fan, in, in a way that I wish the other shows did. Yeah, and and, and plus it had a really sort of gr- uh, great uh, dramatic yeah. storyline uh, here. Daniel Wu, star of the show. Uh, uh, great stuff. Uh, fantastic. And we'll be talking to Sharma about it later later in an interview. So uh, Martin Clunes, who of course is is a legendary British television figure, uh, we we love him on Doc Martin, love him on Manhunt. Uh, he also does what a lot of British actors do, which is that he likes to, to to host travel shows and whatnot. They all seem to to really kind of enjoy that, and uh, this is what he does. He uh, he has a show here called Islands of America, which is part of the Athena line of Acorn and Acorn TV. And uh, he uh, he just goes around the, the the most fascinating coastal areas of America, and not just con- you know North America, but uh, he starts in uh, Hawaii, and then goes to Alaska, and you know goes to New England, and and uh, at a certain point he even winds up in Puerto Rico, and it's just absolutely beautiful. It's wonderful just visiting all the diverse coasts of America. It's very very cool. It's uh, and and he's a wonderful host. You just can't get enough of this. I I hope Michael Michael Palin did that for uh, yeah <coughs> around the world. Yeah, actually. around the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, and I love it when they do it because they're also erudite. Yeah, you know, uh, Anastasia: The Mystery of Anna is from 1986 television movie. Pretty amazing television movie. The I remember that. Uh, it really is. So so here's the story. Everybody knows about Anastasia, the the uh, the, the the daughter of the czar, the the youngest daughter of the czar, who presumably survived execution at the beginning of the Russian Revolution. And uh, there there are all these you know there was a, there was a woman Anna Anderson who uh, claimed for her entire life that she was Anastasia. Mm. You had the obviously Ingrid Bergman movie back in in, the, in I think it was. 41, 42, whenever that was. Uh, it, and, and anyway, you, you wind up with the animated uh, 20th Century Fox film, which is now a Disney property, and they've recently redone the musical for a larger Broadway production. Um, it's a wonderful story of a modern-day princess mm-hmm. that almost certainly was not true, mm-hmm. uh, because they eventually exhumed the remains and and did some DNA testing and said, okay, this is this is Anastasia. She really did die. Yeah, so, yeah. fair enough. Nonetheless, Anna Anderson is a fascinating figure because she claimed right up until the day that she died that she really was Anastasia. So, Anna Anderson died in 84, and they made this movie in 86 so that they didn't need to get her permission. And that's really smart. Uh, it's a pretty standard TV movie from the 80s starring Amy Irving as Anna Anderson and... Uh, except for the fact that the supporting cast here is amazing. And I'm not talking about Susan Lucci, who for some reason is in this. I'm talking about Olivia de Havilland, Rex Harrison, Omar Sharif, and a young Christian Bale. Yeah. That is an amazing cast for a TV movie. That's the last time you saw all of those people together in anything. Yeah, yeah. And that was 1986. Very, very impressive. Um, So that's out on DVD. It is really quite an interesting story. It's, again, done in 80s TV movie style, but to see all that talent in this one story is pretty great. So Anastasia, The Mystery of Anna from Mill Creek, pretty great. 
what are you, you going to move on to? You got Let's some see. more? Uh, I got a few docs. Okay. Let me let me hit some docs because there's one thing that one doc here we should we should spend a little bit of time on. Um, let's see the other side of everything. Uh, a political ghost story. This is uh, this was made the the festival rounds for quite a while, and uh, it's actually a really really interesting kind of modern day real life mystery thriller. Um, the, this is made by Mila Turalicic. Turalicic, I hope I'm getting that right. A Serbian filmmaker. This is from Icarus, and this is in Serbian, English subtitled. And uh, it is it, it centers primarily around um, a mystery that stems from this Belgrade apartment, Belgrade and Yugoslavia, former Yugoslavia, Serbia now, um, where... Um, a divided. Uh, how do we? How do we? How do we say this? There was a. Um, the the apartment kind of is a metaphor in some respects for the history of Yugoslavia and and Serbia, and uh, it's a divided apartment. And what she does is she undertakes this investigation into effectively the contents. Um, behind a locked door which unveil which are sort of the prism through which she looks at the history of of the country and and the history of this particular apartment and region and it i, I don't want to give too much away it's very very hard to sort of uh, talk about this without saying anything about the family in particular but it's a really really interesting way of approaching history through personal artifacts that's probably the best way of putting it very very interesting film um ghosts of attica is a Brad Lichtenstein movie narrated by Susan Sarandon that is uh, kind of a, a, it touches in some of the some of the same things except this is a bit more of a, an American an American story. This is looking at uh, a really really brutal history that uh, is probably not that well known to a lot of people. So um, we I think we probably know the name mostly through the, through the mouth of uh, Al Pacino. Yeah, Atta- yeah, Attica. 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 Yeah. Attica. So uh, Attica is a is the story of the uh, the massive massive prison assault, prison rebellion, and then the subsequent assault that saw many many prisoners killed, and uh, it's one of those moments of the '70s that just uh, lingers for people that that remember it. And this is a this revisits that um, with as much information as they have now and with a lot of perspective. And, uh, it is still to this day, I think the most violent prison riot in American history. Yeah. I think it, it, and the most deadly. So, um, really, but it ha- there's a whole lot of st- other stuff going around, going around at this time politically, you know, it's 1971. You're talking about the same, just, it's sort of extending the, the violence of the late sixties, the assassinations, the, the Watts riots and everything else that's going on Vietnam, it really, and Watergate. So, uh, Ghosts of Attica, quite a, quite a powerful, uh, documentary as well. Also from Icarus Films home video. And then this is what I want to spend, uh, just a second on. It's called Tasteless Before the Outrage. There were jokes. That's the tagline and a big red banner on the cover of this. Black, it's a black background. It says tasteless before the outrage. They were jokes. Like this thing is banned. And um, there's th- this is this is going to uh, it's this is taking a look at how comedy culture has been transformed since the 1980s. Uh, and how uh, back in the 80s, you know, there was these series of books, truly tasteless jokes that everybody thought were absolutely wonderful and great. And um, the uh, this looks at how uh, comedy has changed 
and how uh, things that were once considered funny and, and amusingly tasteless now uh, have a completely different cultural cachet. And, uh, I, you know, it's only, it's only about 60 minutes long, but it warrants a, lo- a much more uh, substantial conversation. This is from Virgil Films. It's a decent documentary. It doesn't really push all the, all the buttons that it needs to, but it does open all the conversations. And the reason this is part of the conversation for me is because this subject is very much in the news right now, uh, primarily centering around Dave Chappelle's new show, mm-hmm. uh, Sticks and Stones, which yeah, just dropped his on comedy, Netflix. His comedy stand-up special. And, uh, Which I did see the other day. Fantastically uh, funny. Look, uh, and I've been defending Dave Chappelle relentlessly for the past several days. Uh, and it's it's people are like he's you know he's punching down. He's uh, he's you know he he's obsessed with LGBT people. He's making fun of gay people. He's he's a bigot and all this stuff. And my my point is, look, you don't understand. There's a great salon piece. There's a great salon piece about this. Uh, the writer in Salon. Uh, grew grew up in I, I think er, in urban Pittsburgh in the in the nineteen seventies and talks very extensively about the history of black comedy mm-hmm. and I, you know I'm a, I am a I'm a student of the history of comedy I love the history of comedy I grew up around all this stuff and I and I I kind of absorbed it intuitively and there are two great comedy traditions in America there's the Jewish comedy tradition and the black comedy tradition and they changed comedy for the whole world mm-hmm. both of those. Mm-hmm. And what do those two things have in common? What they have in common is they are the two most singularly oppressed groups in the history of the United States, mm-hmm. and perhaps even the world. And comedy was not just an entertainment medium for these two populations. Comedy is how these groups mainstreamed themselves without compromise. Mm-hmm. And that is what I've always found fascinating. When Woody Allen goes up on stage... He is not trying to be a Gentile. He says, I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish as hell. Mm -hmm. And I am going to flaunt my Jewishness in front of you until you laugh and embrace me. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing that you got out of black comics, out out of uh, certainly even before Richard Pryor. Oh, yeah. This is going on. And not even Bill Cosby. Let's talk about Dick Gregory. Yeah. Dick Gregory began this Dick whole Gregory, thing. Dick Gregory, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and Godfrey Cambridge, who is one of my great comedy idols, and I was just watching some Godfrey Cambridge yesterday. Great quote by Godfrey Cambridge. If two men are laughing at each other, nobody gets stabbed. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's where the dozens uh, the, the sort of uh, you know, the thing came from. You know? uh, yeah. Better that we do this uh, than engage in the other stuff. Yeah. Also, um, it's the kind of comedy, uh, two things that are going on. It's bringing culture to cultures to, yeah. to, to people who might not otherwise know yeah. about their culture. It's saying, hey, look over <laughs> here. This is us. This is what we think. This is the way we live. This is how we actually talk. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't even know what, you know, I, I wouldn't even know what Dick that Gregory, was. Dick was, Gregory talks about that all the time. All the time. All, all the, the time. time. Yeah. And the thing that, of course, Dave is doing, too. Dave is pointing out uh, that we've become too sensitive. Yeah. Uh, much of what Dave does in that comedy special is really interesting. Dave will say a thing yeah. uh, that he knows is outrageous. Yeah. But that's the reason why he said it. <laughs> of course. Because it's outrageous. Yeah. It, it doesn't even have anything to do with anything that he actually thinks or whatnot. It has to do yeah. with our reaction. We have to stop being so yeah. sensitive. Well, he's 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 trying to get the stick out of our anus. Yeah, is you what know. he's trying to do. You know, and uh, yeah. and 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 he and 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 again, he takes himself to task uh, too. You know, that's that's the funny thing. He tells that joke, that one really great joke about being the uh, uh, the, the uh, victim hater or the what they oh, call oh, it. Oh, yeah. He goes on the street. I'm what 
what's known as a victim blamer. <laughs> yeah, that that joke. <laughs> it's the greatest joke. It's just absolutely hysterical. Here, Chris know. Brown beat up Rihanna. Well, yeah. what you do? Well, what's a TV? You're Michael <laughs> Jackson. What, what were those children wearing? You know, because these are some internal things that we do inside our own heads. Yeah. And but but now we've gotten to a point where we pretend like we don't. Yeah. We all pretend like we all we have nothing but pristine thoughts. Yeah. And Dave is saying, no, you don't. No, you don't. You think the same crap I think. Yeah, and I'm it. gonna and I'm gonna say it. <laughs> that's it. That's all it is. There's his um he, he did a show at the Palladium here in LA, which is also a Netflix special, but there's there's one in there where and I can't even remember what the joke was, but he made he made some joke and there were some people uh, in the back that went like <laughs> like they were afraid to laugh at it. And and he yells out at him, he goes, Oh, grow up. You're not even gonna, you're, at that rate, you're not even gonna make it to the end of the show. <laughs> you know, like you you came to uh, my show. Uh, and he says that in the new in the new Sticks and Stones special too. Yeah. He looks right into the camera and he goes, Just remember, you clicked on my face. <laughs> yeah, you clicked on my face. You knew what was gonna happen when you came over here. Oh, uh, uh, that's great stuff. Love it. Love uh, it. and then uh, I wanna give a real quick shout out here. Uh, we're getting ready right to the end of the show. Um, so let me let me do a real a little quick uh, tidy up here with this movie called Relaxer. I don't even. This is from Oscilloscope. It's on Blu-ray. I've got absolutely no idea how to even explain what this is. Um, Joel uh, Potricus, I guess is how you pronounce his name. Uh, Pot- Potricus, Potricus um, is a uh, he's a he's a an independent filmmaker. He's definitely in the avant-garde school. And breaks rules with impunity, and uh, this is really just a, a straight-up kind of sort of semi-narrative avant-gardist film. Uh, it is, you, I guess you could call it a genre film of sorts. It's, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's called Relaxer, and it is a, kind of a look at... I don't know, Y2K hysteria at, uh, you know, basement-dwelling gamer culture mm. at all of these things, uh, you know, going back is sort of, you know, like a like a, an encapsulation of all of the eccentricities and the oddities of 1990s tech culture in one very strange and unusual and incredibly original movie. And I, there's just no other way to really describe it or explain it. It's a, it's a one-of-a-kind experience. Apparently, he has a whole history of making these kinds of films at festivals. This is the first one I've ever seen of his. Uh, it might even wind up being the last. I, I just not, I don't gravitate to, towards these kinds of films. But um, if, that's your, if that's your vibe, you might want to check it out. It's from Oscilloscope on Blu-ray called Relaxer. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Want me to knock off a couple of these uh, horror, yeah, horror, horror, horror films? Hit some, hit some horror, and then we'll uh, we'll close it out. Because uh, these are kind of interesting, just for, for no particular reason. I have this film called Hoax, and um, a, a bunch of young people go out into the woods camping. They get slaughtered and killed. A bunch of investigators go out into the woods to, uh, to, to investigate, and, and you, because it looks like it might be Bigfoot. It might be Bigfoot that killed all the kids out there in the woods. What I like about this movie is that Brian Thompson is in it. Uh, you'll know Brian's face. He was in X-Files for years, and... Uh, 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 Cobra, he's the bad guy in Cobra, a Stallone movie from 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 thirty years ago, and Adrian Barbeau is in it, uh, uh, and I, I just can't never get enough of Adrian Barbeau. Uh, so a uh, hoax, hoax is the name of the movie. It's a it's a contemporary, it's a present day movie, 20, 2019, just came out this year. Uh, all kinds of special features on it, including some audio commentaries by the director. Uh, then we have a scary clown movie called Terrifier. 
Uh, and, you know, what can I say? It's a scary clown movie uh, who's terrorizing uh, these two young women. His name's Art, which I think is interesting <laughs> that the clown's name is Art. Uh, three young women, actually, on Halloween night as he sort of, like, uh, pursues them across the city, killing uh, pretty much anybody who gets in between him and what he's trying to do, which is mostly terrify these women. A director's commentary, behind-the-scenes featurette, an interview with the actresses, deleted scenes, all kinds of neat stuff. Anyway, if you're into scary clown movies, take a look at the box of this because the, the scary clown face makes that guy on it uh, look like a, a ride at Disneyland. Uh -huh. This guy's the scary clown face. Terrifier. Uh, deep murder. So this is a um, uh, it's not so much a horror movie as it is a, just, a, just, just a slasher set on the, uh, the, the set of a softcore porn film. Uh, and it's kind of like Ten Little Indians. Uh, all the little porn people start coming up dead, and they have to figure out who's doing all the killing. Uh, and, and again, it's one of those movies that, for whatever reason, have a couple of few people in it that just, you know, you're like, so Christopher McDonald is in this movie. Mm -hmm. You know Christopher McDonald. Yeah. Thelma and Louise and all, all kinds of movies for years and years. Jerry O'Connell is in this movie. Josh McGolan is in this movie. I don't know. Sometimes these wacky movies just pop the hell up, and you, you wonder where the hell they came from. This has an alternate ending, which is funny because most people don't know how it ended in the first place. Lady World, uh, which is actually a, a fairly scary little movie about these, um, about these eight teenage girls uh, that are in what they believe is a devastating earthquake. The earthquake may or may not have actually happened. Nevertheless, mm -hmm. they, and then uh, they're, they're, they're trapped in this house, and it all devolves into a sort of Lord of the Flies a sort of situation. Eey. Run out of food, run out of water, and they start killing and eating each other. Lady World. Lady World. Lady World. Uh, and then this neat little movie called Scrawl. Uh, it's about a boy who's writing this comic book. It's a fairly dark and scary comic book. And then he starts to realize that the stuff that he's writing in the comic book is coming true. Ooh. Uh, not unlike uh, that Guillermo del Toro movie, yeah. uh, Scary Stories We Tell in the Dark, which was, uh, which came out and flopped, by the way, real fast. I know. Um, it's too uh, bad. Yeah. Uh, uh, yet, you know, this one is actually just about as good as that, uh, and it has this really, really wicked sort of graphic design stuff that's going on as they saw of creating this book. And, he's, and anyway, he figures out what's going on. Daisy Ridley in this little movie. Daisy Ridley, of course, from Star Wars fame. We sometimes we forget that these, these uh, young actors and actresses that the, the thing that blows them up usually isn't the first thing they've done. Right. So uh, this is an interesting look at Daisy Ridley. That's another one we didn't mention earlier, that uh, the, the last Star Wars film. I, yeah. I guess I'm kind of looking forward to that, too. I guess. I, I'm not sure, I, actually. I, I, I'll be glad to have it done. Yeah, I put it like I've that. lived my whole life with the, uh, oh, nine episodes. I'm, I'll be glad to have it done. Hey, you made it to the end of the show. We have a giveaway, uh, which you will have seen by now, posted on the Facebook page. And uh, so that's what we did. We baited you all the way to the end of the show. Here's what the giveaway is. If you've seen it, we are giving away a, an amazing grand prize for Rocket Man, mm -hmm. uh, which includes uh, a tote bag, el gl glasses, the sunglasses, the, the crazy uh, Elton John sunglasses, a jacket, a karaoke microphone, and, of course, Rocket Man itself uh, as a 4K Ultra HD and uh, we're gonna we're gonna give all that away to uh, one very lucky person who emails us uh, emails us at gods at or gods at cinegods.com. Put Rocket Man one word, just Rocket Man in the title. Put your name and address in the uh, the body of the message, and make sure it gets to us by the end of this week, September sixth, Friday, September sixth, no later than September sixth, midnight. 
September 6th, we'll, uh, we'll stop taking the emails. Um, it's a very, very short, short, short contest, but one very lucky person will get all that good swag from Paramount. So uh, it's going to be a lot of cool. So Rocketman to gods at digigods.com or gods at cinegods.com, and we'll, we'll send you glasses and a microphone and a jacket, and you'll be the weirdest person on Halloween for sure, just like I will. <laughs> uh, all right, with that, we'll see you guys next week.